Hello, Long Beach. Welcome to Artist Banter, a podcast focusing on arts and entertainment in Long Beach, brought to you by the Daily 49er staff. My name is Aziza Gomez, and I will be your host today. Recital season is finally here, a season full of highs and lows, and for some, some much-needed closure. My earliest memory of recital season comes from my freshman year, back when I knew I still had a couple years before my very own recital. That year I went to about 10 recitals, some I'm not proud to confess I only attended so I can have a free meal at the reception. Now the time has come for me to have my own senior recital. I didn't have a live junior recital due to COVID so I could really use all the pointers I can get. I figured, what better way to prepare for my recital than by asking peers and professors about their own recital experience. For today's episode, I hit the halls of the Bob Cole Conservatory of Music here at CSULB and I found some students who have had or are going to have a recital this semester. I am also interviewing flutist and CSULB body mapping professor Rena Urso about ways to prepare your body and mind for a recital or even just for finals week. So hi guys, thank you for joining me in some recital talk. How about we start off with each of you sharing your name, instrument, and date of your recital. Hi everyone, I'm Anna Cramley. My instrument is a voice, specifically jazz voice, and my recital was on March 25th at 7.30 p.m. in Daniel Recital Hall. Yeah, I I saw it. It was amazing. So let me just give more backstory. We have Oscar and Anna here that already had their recitals, and they freaking rocked. And me and Tom are here to just absorb the knowledge and maybe give some some other words of wisdom. (laughs) So sorry to interrupt you, Anna. Go ahead. That's it. Your turn. I'm Oscar Rodriguez. I play guitar, specifically jazz guitar here at Long Beach. My recital, I don't remember what day it was, but yeah, it it already happened and it was in C100. Nice. Tom, when is your recital? I'm Tom. Um, My instrument is piano Um, and my recital is May 7th, 2022. (laughs) Um, It's going to be in DRH and yeah. That's exciting. You have two. You have two recitals. Yeah. So I always say the piano one. Um, there's the composition one, which is next week. Um, it's on Tuesday at 3 p.m. I just, I don't advertise it because I'm a little shy with my composition. Oh gosh, please do. <laughs> so we're going to be there. I'm so excited for it. See what happens there. <laughs> well, my recital. So for those who don't know, I'm a classical saxophone major. My recital is uh, April 30th, which is a Saturday at 5.30. So my first question is, how long did you go about preparing for your recital? How long in advance did you choose your repertoire, musicians, and your outfit? Well, Annie should go because she had a cool outfit. I saw the pictures. (laughs) Queen. I love the dress. (laughs) Oh my gosh, thanks. Thank you. So I started planning this, I mean, last, I guess, August 2021 was when I started, like, you know, the gear started going like, what, what tunes do I want to do? How do I want to arrange things? And then like pretty much all my arrangements were done by like uh, January, February. There's just like a couple like horn things that I needed tweaking on because I had to do like three horn arrangements. And <laughs> that's the trickiest part. It's just like 
like wine make sure that like what you write for your instrumentalist isn't like the worst like the voice leading works right. for them and like it's just you know like transposition wise like is this cool like can you play this does it sound good in that in that specific timbre so like that took a little bit longer um in terms of players i like already knew who i wanted and thank god they were all free um so i'm super lucky i had 16 people on their recitals. Dang, that's a whole production. Yeah. Cool. It was a whole lot of productions. <laughs> for getting that many people, I guess my little advice. If you want to have that many people, like the coordination and the organization has to be like on point because that's a lot of people to like keep track of. So I don't know. It it, it was tricky, but it was it was worth it because it's like my last hurrah. And then in terms of outfit, I like ordered a dress like two weeks before and I was like, I hope this fits. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fucking mood. I have unfortunately short legs, so everything I get, I have to like alter it to my short legs. Dude, I'm the opposite. So I'm long legged. Ho <laughs> ass dress on me. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look like a beautiful mermaid. Thanks. You were amazing. <laughs> the mermaid of a Long Beach state. Miss Anna Crumley. All right, Oscar, how about you? Okay, so I feel bad because I think I picked all of my songs like the week before I needed to have them submitted. <laughs> oh, I nice. yeah. And then, um, let's see, how long did it take to choose rep so that answers that question? Musicians, I kind of had an idea of who I wanted to have for sure. Um, the week before, though, there was a little bit of complication because the bass player I had asked, like, had to pull out, like, two or three days before, oh, wow. um, it, which was cool. Like, I figured it out. But, um, yeah. But on, honestly, like, all things considered, it went really well, even though, like, he pretty much just played at the recital. Um, and then choosing my outfit, I think, like, the day of. This sounds so bad. <laughs> the day of. Uh, this. <laughs> Not much thought. What I loved, what I loved about your recital, Oscar, was the stuffed animals that you had. You like had oh, everybody yeah. bring stuffed animals, and they like lined them up on the stage. It was really cute, and everybody was amazing. Like you would have, I would, I never thought that you like randomly had to get another bass player. Like it sounded so good. Yeah, no, I, yeah, he's he's a pro, so you know, I think that that helps. Like, um, I feel like a lot of the musicians that I know are just like really just like good and like well practiced where I don't feel like uncomfortable having it be like a last minute thing you know right that's awesome all right Tom what about you I know that you've been looking for musicians for your compositions so how's that right happen? yeah well I had a lot more um, players in mind because I had more uh, works so I had a nocturne for piano and saxophone. I just, I had to, I had to like cut some pieces out because um, like Anna said, like it's really hard to coordinate people. <laughs> and when she said that, I was like, yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, there's a large ensemble piece, two drummers, um, let's see, violin, another violin, viola, cello, doing math right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like your logic files uh, coming to life. They're in yeah, it is kind of like counting the least. I think I have like 12 players, I think. So um, that took, it took like a lot. Um, I remember kind of panicking on Instagram asking like if there's any percussionists. They're, they're like, they're always in demand. You know, like 
We need a percussionist. We need a percussionist. <laughs> so like, um, yeah, that was, that was, um, that was interesting. But um, yeah, I had a, I found 12 players for my comp recital. Uh, I only got one rehearsal in. I wanted to get one more this week, but uh, it's, it was opera season, not another, another week of college. It's just, so it was fun while, you know, like there is still hope that <laughs> we could get something done, but yeah. Yeah, and like Oscar said, like everyone at the conservatory has that that skill where they can really practice on their own and then just make magic happen. I'm sure your recital is going to be amazing. Have you put any thought into what you're going to wear yet? So yeah, um, I I think I'm still going to wear um, something close to like the traditional like formal attire. But um, I did tell um, my my performers not to like follow it <laughs> because um the piece is about like individuality and it's about like you know like coming out of like the closet and like just it's more about um like an individual rather than like having to like adhere to things so that's why i was like you know what wear makeup do whatever <laughs> oh so, awesome. yeah um, i love it um do you have any words of encouragement to give music students out there getting ready for their big day oh yeah totally i guess from <laughs> I learned a lot from like my personal mistakes and my like anxieties. Um, the biggest thing is that you have to embrace where you're at, like wherever you are at in this time and this season of your life and in your, you know, in your career, embrace where you're at and love where you're at. It's hard. It's really, really difficult. Cause I'm somebody like not in other parts of my life, but specifically in music, I'm, I have that per perfectionist tendency. And it's really, you know, sometimes you get in your head and you over, you overanalyze and you're so critical, um, but like enjoy the process. So choose people for your recital that you love and that you love their playing because that makes everything so much more enjoyable. Choose people that you love, embrace where you're at. And um, so, yeah. Period. That was beautiful. I yeah, love that answer. Yeah, that's a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I would add to that or like say I think like a lot of people have like a lot of like anxiety and like fear about like performing you know and I think that where that comes from is like fear of judgment you know I think like we're all afraid of like going up there and like messing up and like thinking like dang like what do these people think about me now that I like made this huge mistake or letting yourself down you know and it's um i think kind of like learning to like embrace that or, or just be aware of that because um I, I was talking about this a few days ago like we're not robots you know mm. it's like if we played everything like super quantized and perfect like it would lose what makes music music you know yeah. that human element of like ha like there being like a slight mistake or like whatever thing just adds so much to the experience because no one really goes to no one goes to concerts looking to see who's gonna make a mistake you know they all want right. to be moved so it's like if you kind of go there and like just let yourself be in the moment like I think it'll go just as well as you want it to go because you were being sincere in that moment true so true beautiful Tom did you want to close this out with any words of wisdom I think just keep keep doing whatever works for you um, and don't be afraid to ask for help. Definitely. Um, yeah. There's been a lot of moments where, and I wished I had asked, you know, some of my close um, friends in the composition circle, you know. And I think again that it's for me, it stemmed from the fear of judgment. But um, 
yeah, don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah, they're rooting for you. We're all they're rooting, rooting for you. For you. <laughs> There's a lot of people rooting for you. So that's that's what I guess I would um, recommend and um, give as a pearl of wisdom. Thank you. <laughs> out there. Well, thank you, Oscar and Tom and Anna for joining me today. And I'm sure that your words are going to help a lot of us who are having recitals this week. Thank you for joining me on Beach Weekly. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right, I am here with the one and only Rena Urso. Rena Urso enjoys a flourishing career as a freelance orchestral and chamber musician all over California. As a licensed body mapping educator, Rena presents workshops and masterclasses all over the world, as well as the course she created at CSEOB called Body Mapping for the Performing Artist. Her popular monthly column in the Flute View covers a myriad of topics related to injury prevention and musician wellness. Rena is also a RYT 200 certified yoga teacher and certified meditation teacher. Welcome to Artist Banter, Rena. Thank you for joining me. Having me, Aziza. Of course. So my first question for you, Rena, is what is the best way to prepare for your recital mentally and physically a week before a big performance, like a recital? Well, this is a really great question. Um, for me... This is just me. Um, and I would, I would say not just for uh, a recital, but any important, like big performance that you've been leading up to, or even an audition. And that can be an audition for a symphony orchestra, grad school auditions, any kind of big thing that we're preparing for for many, many weeks. I've always liked to taper my practice as I get closer like I try to front load and then as I get closer and closer to the day, I try to taper, you know, wood shedding, hammering in the practice room. Not that I'm ever am in favor of hammering away in a practice room, <laughs> but it's all about pacing ourselves. Right. But I like to taper that and, and up the other parts of things. For example, like uh, more long tones, more, more awareness of, if you're a wind or a brass player, the breathing part, the creating of the, the like the front of the note, the, the note releases, like the, the little delicate um, parts of our playing that we forget about when we're trying to get notes under our fingers. So I up the long tones, the slow technical practice, um, working weak links in the program, maybe not running the whole piece top to bottom 56 times a day. That's never a great idea. <laughs> totally fried. By the time your recital arrives, you're going to be exhausted and burned out, and you won't have anything fresh to say with the music. You lose that, that ability to have the perspective of the storytelling, right? So right. that little space you create, the run-throughs, I think, is, an, is a great way to keep it fresh. And then I really up my um, mental practice or my ma imaginary practice. So more um, going through the program in my mind with the piano score, not with the instrument in my hand, but really, really knowing all of the underpinnings of what I'm about to do. And then, you know, good, good rest, eating well, like stocking your fridge with healthy food, not eating the stuff we go to when we're in those last days before the recital and we're running around like, Wah! right? eat well, get your sleep, hydrate like crazy, don't drink alcohol, <laughs> you know, save yeah. all that, <laughs> save, the, the, save the sugary, sweet, salty, all of that stuff for after. Try to just take really good care of yourself in those 
several days preceding because then you're going to be fresh and alert and focused and ready to get up there and just Period. that's such a good point right now I feel like I'm on a roller coaster ride but I'm like still just going up you know and that really put it into perspective because now I feel like I'm the one creating the roller coaster so why would I not like study the form of it and like the very minute details that go into it like just studying your score yeah. listening to it um, I've gotten that advice a lot, but I feel like sometimes I get so anxious that I don't even want to know. Like, I just want to get on that ride and just wait for that drop, you know, but that's yeah. a really good point. That's a really good point. And I need to hydrate more. And I don't drink water very much. <laughs> Hydration is important. And you know, the, the other thing is if you don't already have, um, a regular practice of meditation, this is a great time to, I mean, there's no time like the present, the last minute's still the last minute. So mm-hmm. even if you just make time a few times a day for a couple of minutes, it's better than no minutes because you're going to reap the benefits of, of how that will help you with your ability to focus and perform well under pressure. Right. So for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I haven't really performed on saxophone very much yet, but for my like singing and my band stuff, um, I did learn a bunch from your class. So I think one day I had like a gig. I woke up early. I meditated. I did my Alexander technique. I drank water. And like, even though the performance was at 8 p.m., I managed to stay relaxed until 8 p.m. for the first time. So awesome. Yeah, I, I feel a little better about the recital. Thanks to what I learned in your class. So I'm sorry, I get I get excited when when I uh, talk about certain topics. But but the thing is, is, you know, it, co- it comes to a very simple question that we have to ask ourselves, like, what are we hoping to achieve when we walk out there on stage to perform? Mm. We want to go out there and play if we can, as well as we've been playing in our practice rooms and in our rehearsals with our colleagues that are playing with us on the program and to tell the story right? So if you're tired, if you're sleep deprived, if you're not, if you've not been eating particularly well, if you're like a little frazzled, it gets in the way of you enjoying this opportunity to perform and telling your story and really getting an opportunity to play this music that you chose. You chose the music for a reason, right? You chose this music because you like it. So go out there and enjoy yourself and tell your story and have fun. This is an opportunity to perform, right? Period. Good point. Okay, so my second question. You have been a performer for a long time, and I know you have had some awesome musicians in your family to look up to. I can't relate, but I can imagine the added pressure that that has caused you to have as a performer. Have you ever suffered from imposter syndrome? And if so, how did you combat it? Oh boy, you're putting that in past tense. Have I ever? <laughs> Do I still? Oh, 100%. And, you know, it's something I got to check myself every so often and be like, girl, what are you doing? Are you still, are you still here? Really? After all this work? Um, so for those people that are listening and they might be like, you know, musical family, what, what, what is this? So my father, Santo Urso, was one of the assistant concert masters of the Detroit Symphony. He was a prodigy. He went to Juilliard as a very, very young child. And um, he was, he was extraordinary. He was a great artist. He was a great uh, role model, hero, mentor. You know, my dad was awesome but he was tough on me Mm. (laughs) because he knew what it took 
and he wasn't going to sugarcoat it and be like, oh, have fun playing your flute. He was like, <laughs> get in there and practice. You got to you got to practice. Right? right. So I had that as an example, which was a really clear example of what I needed to do if I wanted to achieve this thing, which was I wanted to be like my dad. I wanted a job in a symphony orchestra. And then I also had the examples of my siblings, my three oldest brothers, music industry. One of them was a record executive with Warner Brothers and then Electra Asylum for years during like the big heyday years. He was also a really brilliant violinist. Um, my another brother was a fantastic French horn player and chose to go the route of music education. And he had this fantastic um, music education program in the Detroit area where I grew up. And then my other brother, Michael, was literally a rock star. He was the bass player with um, a rock and roll band during the Motown era, Rare Earth. So I had a really interesting, diverse, um, musically diverse uh, example of what I needed to do to, to achieve um, what I was hoping to achieve as a musician. But it also, the flip side of that was, there was always this like, I'm not good enough. My dad won his job with Detroit when he was 24. And when I turned 24, I'm like, well, I guess, guess this is the year. I'm gonna win a job. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> so, you know, every few years um, that would go by, I'd be like, well, okay, maybe it's just taking me longer. And I, I really struggled and many years with this, I, I, there's no way it's gonna happen. Um, imposter syndrome, feeling a little bit like I was never going to achieve it. Somewhere along the line, and I can't pinpoint exactly when, I started to add my own unique voice in all of this. I wasn't my dad. I wasn't my brothers. I wasn't my sisters. I wasn't my teacher. I was me. My unique path, my unique voice. Um, I, I had something to offer that was uniquely my own, and I was going to just do my best and do my thing. And as long as I was always, um, you know, doing the best I could, no more, no less, um, just doing my best, whatever that was, like authentically. That's a big thing, Aziza. Like, you can't necessarily follow someone else's path or truth because maybe that's authentic to them, but it's inauthentic to you. And it becomes super clear right away to others if you're not authentically yourself, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, this doesn't feel right. I'm not going to go play for every flute player in the city of Los Angeles home to get some external validation because that does not feel authentic to me. Mm -hmm. I have to do what's authentic to me. So I just kept doing my work. Um, and that, uh, that comment I made, by the way, this do your best, no more, no less, is part of, are you familiar with the book by Don Miguel Ruiz, um, The Four Agreements? Uh, no, not yet. Quick read. The four agreements are, um, I grabbed it because I knew you were going to ask me about this, <laughs> uh, so I could remember them in order. Period. Be Thank impeccable you. with your word. Don't take anything personally. That's a big one as musicians, mm. isn't it? Don't make assumptions and always do your best. No more, no less. Mm. That third one hit Another, me right now. I know, mm. it's, but it's like, it's, that's the real, that's it right there. The, and to add to that, another thing for listeners to check out are the, the uh, seven axioms or universal truths. And the number one universal truth is you are exactly where you're supposed to be. And as soon as I come back to that, you're exactly where you're supposed to be, just do your best. Then it takes all that imposter, 
I'm a fraud. I'm never going to this. I'm never going to that. What am I doing with my life? It takes all that away. Like I just, it, it that goes away. Cause it's like, nope, go back and just go back to the hub. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Just do my work at the best of my ability. Period. And you know what? That's the greatest love of all. Like Whitney Houston says. <laughs> yes. Yes. Last <laughs> question. So after graduating with a bachelor's in music, I've noticed that many people get lost in their busy lifestyles and stop playing altogether. Do you have any advice for the graduating class of 2022? Oh, wow. This could go on for hours. <laughs> There's so many directions you could go with this question. Great questions, Aziza. Thank you. Um, well, graduate school isn't for everyone. And sometimes when you graduate, you don't even know if you, if you want to go on, if you want to work, if you like there, there, it's not really clear immediately what direction you want to go in. And so to the students that aren't, uh, absolutely set on whether they want to continue their studies immediately, it is okay to take time. And I know that might not be a popular comment among some of my colleagues uh, in the university in higher education, but I took a little bit of time between my undergrad and grad degree. And I don't have any regrets in life, but that is one thing I wish if I could go back in time in a little time capsule, I wish I'd taken even a little bit more time because that time would have given me the opportunity to uh, refine some more things in my playing, maybe travel a little, work with different teachers, and explore, kind of figure out some things before the next degree. So it's okay to not rush into grad school. And in fact, I'm a fan of a gap year, a gap semester, a couple of gap years <laughs> before moving forward. Um, so don't feel like you need to go on right away. And in fact, if you think like, well, I, you know, I think I want to go to grad school, but I don't know if I want to do the same um, path. Like if you, let's say you were a performance major in undergrad, maybe you might not want to be a, that's not your focus for grad school. Maybe you want to do um, theory or history or something different. You know, research schools, go visit the cities if it's financially feasible, connect with teachers and ask a lot of questions and just spend that time kind of putting it into the U bank to figure out what your next best step is. And, and this is important, whatever next step you take is not permanent. So if you make a step and a choice, like I'm going to move to Boston and go to Berkeley. Great. And let's say you get to Boston and you get to Berkeley and you're like, this is great, but this isn't what I had in mind. Now what do I do? Well, it's okay to, to, to pull up your anchor and, <laughs> you know, go someplace else. So any step you make, if it's not the right step, know that there's another path you can take. And maybe it's a time to work and just make some money and save, 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 save. So that way you have more options available to you going forward, um, travel, but find, find your unique voice, find your people, and that's gonna help you know what path to take. Thank you. That was such a beautiful message. And I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to answer my questions. I feel a lot more secure now and more confident. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. It's been really nice talking with you. I miss seeing you in class every Wednesday. I miss you too. See me 
but I've got two thumbs up. So keep being you, keep doing, keep doing what you do. Keep your awesome, positive attitude and um, the future looks bright. Thank you. That's all for Artist Banter this week. Don't forget to check out Beach News Weekly for campus news on daily49er.com, as well as other podcast content brought to you by the Daily 49er. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Daily49er. Thank you and talk to you soon.